Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome, party people. It's Fizz Radio. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. And Matt, we have plenty to talk about. Let's talk, you know, NFL draft. Quincy Garrier is now off the orange. So we're going to look at how that affects this basketball team. Uh, also, of course, get to our five-star review segment that has been popping recently, uh, where we talk everything SU recruiting from basketball to football to everything in between. And, of course, get to our fictional Fizz and Fizz feedback. Uh, Matt, let's start with the NFL draft, though. I know that happened last week we are a weekly show so now we got to talk about it now if you want our immediate reaction we do have some fizz casts some draft casts which are little podcasts on our soundcloud if you want to go check it out it's at orange fizz on soundcloud uh, that has immediate analysis from right after those draft days but let's start with kind of where we thought people were going to go compared to where actually they went. And we'll start with Andre Sisco. He went 65 overall, the first pick in the third round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Was this where you thought he was going to go? Did you think he slipped a little bit? Do you think he went early? What were your opinions, Matt? This was about as early as I thought Sisco would go. After day one, I wrote an article about where the guys might possibly go. And I had Cisco at, at 65 to the Jaguars as a p- potential landing wow, spot. Wow, look at you. Um, yeah, I know. I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Cisco's in a good situation in Jacksonville in which he'll be pretty high on the depth chart there. And he went pretty early. I mean, he was a third-round guy. I expected him to probably be a little bit later in this round. But if he was going to go in the third round, this is one of the places he was going to go. Yeah, now, now Jacksonville was like a really good spot, and we'll kind of get to where he, he and the other guys fit into their uh, depth charts, but I'm a little surprised, I'll be honest. Third round is not what I, what I thought, because going into last season for Syracuse, Cisco had a first-round grade, and then, of course, he gets injured, and, and I do think that that weighed in the decision for so many other safeties to get selected before him. He was the fourth safety off the board. Now, there a safety wasn't taken. Let me see. I, I have it up. The first safety that was taken, uh, Javon Holland that out of Oregon that went to the Dolphins at 36 overall. And then there was a little run on, on safeties mid-second round. So I'm a little surprised on how long it took for some safeties to go off the board. Now, of course, cornerbacks are a little more you know useful than safeties. But for Cisco to drop to number four in that position, I think is honestly a steal for Jacksonville and kind of surprising because I I thought he was the second best behind Merrig out of TCU, um, but I'm a little surprised he, he fell all the way to the third round. Well, the thing with him was obviously he had the torn ACL that he suffered early in the year when he ran into Ed Hendricks. Uh, and I think that was the Georgia Tech game. Pre-game, ran into Ed yep. Hendricks, tore his ACL, out for the season, declares for the draft. Syracuse loses him right there. And I think that's where his draft stock started to to get a little bit lower because you know you never know what a guy's going to look like after an ACL injury, especially in a sport like this where you could be great one day and not so great the next. So, I mean, teams are a little bit more cautious to take Cisco, but I think that Jacksonville is going to be happy they did. Yeah, if you if you check out Jacksonville's social media over the past couple of days, of course they're they're plastering Trevor Lawrence all over it, and and rightfully so, but. 
I would say Andre Sisco is probably the second guy that has gotten the, uh, as like the most coverage down in Jacksonville because I think they really, really like him, uh, and especially because if he does prove to be the same guy that he was in college pre-ACL injury, uh, I think he could be really talented as that ball hawk in the back. Now, he's not going to play, you know, uh, move up safety where he's going to stop the run and be uh, be kind of a, a gap stopper, but he's a ball hawk, and, and that's as, as simply um, as it's put. So, you know, Cisco goes to Jacksonville. You kind of scroll down in round three, and you'll find Ifatu Melifonwu, or Ify, the cornerback out of Syracuse, that went 101 overall, 38th in round three, and he went to the Detroit Lions. Matt, thoughts on this one? Yeah, so this is this one was a bit of a slip. I, I didn't think that Ify was going to go this late. I had him pegged as an early second-round guy, and that's just not what ended up happening. I mean, I thought he'd go around the time that Asante Samuel Jr. and Tyson Campbell were going, maybe Kelvin Joseph as well. They all went early, too, and, and if he falling all the way to the third round, I mean, <clears throat> what a steal for the Detroit Lions. I think if he's going to be a really good player in the NFL, he's got that long body. He's, a, he's an athlete. He showed off. Uh, back at the Senior Bowl, teams really liked him there, and I think that's where his stock really started to skyrocket, and that's why he got taken at all. Because I think coming into this year, this past fall, I don't think we really thought we were going to see Iffy yeah. in the NFL uh, come this time. But yeah. you know, he he's there, and I'm happy he is. Yeah, no, I mean that's a good that's a good take. I, I didn't think that Iffy would be leaving. Number one, I I thought you know when you watched his play. He definitely had pro potential, but this year, no, I, I, I would not have expected him to to get in the actual 2021 NFL draft. I thought it would maybe be next year. Um, but you touched on something that you know we talked a lot about, and again, this is Fizz Radio with Jaron and Matt uh, on on the score 1260 or if you're listening to the podcast version on our soundcloud and if you are check out our draft casts and that's where we talked about a little bit myself and john eads uh how if he is going to succeed in the nfl it comes down to his size 6'3 205 a 42 inch vertical he is you, you do not find that size for someone that can play in the slot that you can slide out to the outside as well he can play any kind of position in the secondary, and he has size that you just don't see every day. So when it becomes the question, and maybe, Matt, you can answer this one too, who's going to succeed the most in the NFL out of you know the three main uh, cornerbacks or, or, I guess, uh, uh, secondary players out of Syracuse this year? I think it's going to be iffy, and we'll get to that with also our Fizz feedback and see what the people want, but like, I think it's iffy just because his size is, is not comparable to, to many people in the NFL right now. It's a really tough question because in football, you know, you could be the best player in the league for eight years and then fall off a cliff while another guy could be a really solid player for 12. Um, but in this discussion, when you're talking about two corners and Trill and Iffy and then a safety with Cisco. I'm going to have to take Cisco just because I think that it's easier to be a safety for longer in the NFL, if that makes sense. I think that Cisco can stick around longer being a contributor to teams in a, in a number of ways and not have to be a lockdown corner while Iffy and Trill might lose a step in their later years, like a lot of guys do, and they'll kind of be fizzled out. All right. I mean, that's I think fair. they're all talented, though. Yeah. I And 
I guess that kind of shifts us into the this, this next situation. And again, Fizz Radio, Jaron, Matt. Uh, if you want to go check out all of our draft content, because we have plenty of it, go out to our website, orangefizz.net. Uh, Matt, so you, you kind of talked about it. Trill goes undrafted. Uh, he is now with the Saints as an undrafted rookie free agent. Also, Nolan Cooney, good for him, uh, signs with the Saints as well, the punter. So we'll see if uh, if he has you know, what it takes to make it um, in the NFL. But let's see, let's kind of break down uh, and predict, and not really predict, I guess, kind of just see where these players fit in their roster. So let's start with uh, Andre Sisco. When you look at the safeties, it's Rashawn Jenkins and uh, Jared Wilson. Neither of them for, you know, in terms of going up against Cisco, really surprised me. So, at least in my opinion, I see Cisco as a day one starter down in Jacksonville. Well, I mean, Jared Wilson's been in the league for, what, five years now? I think they'll probably give him the nod. Um, but I think that Cisco definitely could take over, maybe maybe this year, but, but probably next as well. I mean, Wilson's a solid player. He's got three picks over the last two years, and he plays – decent coverage I mean he's not a superstar by any means so I think that that definitely is a spot for for Cisco to make a name for himself I mean I think he's going to be a good player and as for Iffy over in Detroit I mean you've got a lot of decent uh, secondary players in Detroit but I think Iffy fits in pretty well under Quinton Dunbar over there and, and Jeff Okuda yeah so that's actually what was surprising to me to see it's not super surprising because they didn't play well, but you know the Lions drafted two cornerbacks, uh, one last year in Jeff Okuda, and now you know Iffy this year, pretty early in the draft. So they they took Okuda in the first round with their number one with their first pick. I think it was fifth overall, if I remember correctly, or something around there. Third overall. Third. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then. They get iffy in the third rounds this year. So they have a lot of young talent, but Okuda just did not play well last year. And and that's just plain and simple. Like if you if you look at the numbers, especially PFF, like if we want to get down to the nitty gritty, uh, the Lions had those had the worst secondary of any NFL team and the worst of any team ever in the PFF. PFF era, which goes back to 2006. Uh, And then Okuda specifically, he gave up 21st downs, a league worst 2.1 yards per cover snap. So he just was not great. And then Quinton Dunbar, uh, you know, is coming over from Washington. Now he is a six-year vet, but he allowed 30 receptions on 47 targets last year. So I don't think either of those guys are locks for the starting lineup. So kind of where I see Iffy fitting in here is he comes in in a nickel package or in some certain sets, he works his way up, and eventually, maybe late this year, if not next season, like in rather in two seasons, I guess, that's when he actually becomes a starter for the Lions. Yeah, and I wouldn't count out Okuda. He didn't have a great year, and then he had groin surgery with which uh... – sidelined him for the rest of the season last year. He just played nine games. Uh, but I, I think he'll come back and be better. I mean, this was one of the guys he coming out of Ohio State last year. He was an absolute – he's supposed to be an absolute superstar. Um, so, I mean, I think he'll, he'll, he'll be just fine. And Quentin Dunbar, yeah, he didn't have his greatest season last year, but – he is one of their, you know, they consider him as their number one guy, so I don't think they're going to give up on him. But I do think if he will really be, he get, he'll get a lot of a lot of playing time. Many snaps you'll see if he on the field. 
um, just because those guys, like you mentioned, struggled a little bit last season and, and even an injury problem with Okuda. I don't know if we'll see him right at the beginning of the year. Um, and if he, you know, he's a talented player with a big frame. You don't see a lot of guys like him. They're going to play him on the outside, a lot of a lot of one-on-one coverage. And I think he's he thinks he's a lockdown corner, and I think that's what he's going to have to be. And having that mentality also helps a lot. Uh, again, this is Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Matt, before we hit a break, let's let's touch on the Saints guys real quick. I don't think Trill is in a great spot in New Orleans. Their secondary is already pretty locked up with seasoned vets, with, with guys that have held those positions for a while. So I don't think he has a great spot. However, Nolan Cooney is really, really enticing because – the punter right now is Blake Gillikin, uh, and he was a rookie last year, did not play. Uh, he was out due to injury, and now it's basically a, a sophomore versus a rookie in camp, and it's going to come down to who can punt better, and I think that's the best situation for Cooney because you are getting the opportunity no matter what to at least compete for that spot. Yeah, and Thomas Morstead was cut, I believe, right? Right at the beginning yes. of, uh, or of yeah. the offseason. I mean, he's been there since like 2009. Yeah. Uh, so he was their longtime punter. He, he exits the uh, the franchise, and now they get a couple of young bucks. I think Cooney's got a good shot. I mean, he's coming out of Syracuse, which is punter you. Shout out to Sterling Hoffrick. They're over in Atlanta. <laughs> um, and I think he's got a good chance. As for Trill, I mean, like you mentioned, they've got four guys on the front lines of that secondary that – have been there for a couple of years, who are all really, really good. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, and Marshawn Lattimore. Not to mention, they also drafted a corner, Paulson Adebo, who I really think is going to be a, a very good player. Played at Stanford uh, in, in his college days, opted out of last season, eight picks over his t- first two years uh, as a Cardinal, or as, what is it, Cardinal? Um, yeah. And then they're, 30... But they're, they're, their mascot is a tree for some reason. Aware, it doesn't make any sense. He had 30 pass defenses. He, he's a very, very good player. Um, and I don't know how Trill's going to fit in there. If you, if I had to take a bet, I would not say that Trill is going to be a New Orleans Saint for, for very long. I think he will find his way in the league, but I don't think it's going to be in New Orleans. Yeah, I agree. Matt, growing up when you played NCAA football, either on you know Xbox or, or PlayStation or whatever, did you play with the trees of Of, of course. Stanford? How could you not? Yeah, they were awesome. It was, it was yeah. them. And, you know, I think Otto was in there, too. So yes, he was. if you could play with Otto, that would be fun. Uh, I don't know. They should bring that game back. I, I think they might be. They I are. I don't know. All right. We're getting sidetracked here. We're going to hit a quick break here on Fizz Radio. After it, Quincy Guerrier is gone. He's in the transfer portal yet another. How does that affect Syracuse men's basketball? We'll answer that question and more right after the break. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Back here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. We just talked NFL draft, the orange in the pros. Now let's talk about the orange leaving the orange, and let's go to the basketball courts. Quincy Garrier, yet another transfer for Syracuse men's basketball. I think it's the fifth, Matt. Am I am I right in that counting, or is it the fourth? It seems like the 15th. It, it's Yeah, it seems like it. Um, I guess... Maybe seven? Uh, Who knows? All right, who knows? Uh, Alan Griffin is still in limbo. We don't really know about him. A couple people, you know, trying to go to the draft. Some people are leaving. Some people are trying to play pro. It's it's a mess. Um, So let's talk about specifically the most recent mess, and that's Quincy Garrier. He was an all-ACC player last year. He was 
arguably, actually not even, he was the best player on Syracuse last season, uh, and now you lose him. I'm going to ask you plain and simple, and I think the answer is you know a little more complex than this, but Matt, how much does that impact and affect this team moving forward into next year? Well, I don't know. It's a, it's a very interesting situation because he doesn't even know what he's doing, but he decided to say, I don't care if I'm not going to the draft. I want to let you know that I'm not coming back here. I mean, what a slap in the face to the program from Quincy Garrier. I, I mean, that's just, it's crazy, honestly, in my opinion. But I can't really blame him that much. I mean, with all these guys getting out of there, it's starting to seem like it might not be the, the most exciting place to play basketball. But, I mean, as for what it's going to do for the team, the pundits around college basketball had Syracuse pitted as a like a mid-teens uh, AP poll preseason pick before Quincy left. Now they're saying that they'll be right around the 25 mark, which I still think is pretty insane. Um, I don't really buy any of that as of yeah. right now because of what I saw last year. Um I know that the recency bias is the Sweet 16 run, but let's be real here. I don't think that that happens every season. Um, the team is going to be, I think they're going to be fine. You have Benny Williams coming in, who I think is probably going to take that Quincy Garrier spot in the lineup. But Garrier not coming back is going to hurt. I mean, you saw him really uh, take charge of of adding that three-point shot to his game. And he, he became a versatile scorer and a guy that you couldn't just, you know, put a big guy down uh down low on him and and forget about it because now he can shoot the three he can shoot which makes him an, an entirely different player um and on the defensive end in the zone he was he was very good so it's gonna hurt it's absolutely gonna hurt but I don't know if it's going to keep the orange from being successful I do and I, I think it's kind of crazy that Syracuse is still even having, like, being in the discussion for the top 25 because there's it isn't no, it wild? It's there's insane. no way that they should be in that discussion. I, I, I don't know. I, I think people are giving way too much credit to the transfers that are coming in, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But for Quincy specifically, for me, and it's a larger issue when you look at it, is Syracuse is losing a ton of rebounding, a category that they already stunk in this past year. Like, when you look at their rebounding numbers compared to other teams, it was horrible. That that offensive rebounding, they allowed 34, or, or, uh, sorry, um, 34% rather of the offensive rebounds for the other team they got. Does that make sense? I don't think I said that very cleanly. No, I'm actually, I'm not really following you at all. Okay. So every time the opposing team would shoot the ball, 35 or 34% of the time, they would grab an offensive rebound, as in gotcha. the opposing team. Gotcha. So Syracuse would allow 34% offensive rebounding for opposing teams. Uh, and so, in general... Syracuse lost so many games last year. You think about the North Carolina game, and you think about the Clemson game, and the Duke game, and Georgia Tech. You lost because you lost on the boards. Now, you're losing Quincy Garrier, who was your second-best rebounder behind Marek Dolajai. Dolajai's also gone. Robert Braswell's gone. Alan Griffin, who was a very underratedly great rebounder on the wing of that 2-3 zone. Uh, you're losing so much rebounding that that, I think, and people are going to talk about, wow, you're losing Kadari Richmond and his defense and blah, 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 blah. I don't see that as the biggest 
like miss of this situation of this transfer portal. I think it's Quincy Garrier's rebounding situation. Well, that's an interesting point that you bring up, but not one that I thought about too much. Um, but I should have because he he brought in eight and a half rebounds a game, which is a lot, um, especially for a team like this. But the only rebuttal I have to that is that's what you're going to have to expect from Benny Williams. Um, I don't yeah. really think people understand how good Benny Williams is supposed to be. I mean, scouts have talked about him as he's a one-and-done. He's NBA talent. Um, he's a top 30 prospect in, in the nation. I mean, this guy's the real deal. He's not just some random four-star that, that Syracuse is hoping is going to be really good. This kid is, is if he's not good, it should be a disappointment. That would be unexpected. That's how good he's supposed to be. Um, so you're going to have to hope that Benny Williams can come in and put the, that 15-8 and eight kind of stats in. I mean, yeah, Marek Dolezal is gone. Yeah, Quincy Garrier is gone. So a lot of your your height and your bigs really just aren't going to be there this season. But you're really going to have to bank on Benny Williams and Jesse Edwards kind of picking up the slack there. I Which guess. I don't know if is a huge thing to be banking on because it's a guy who's never played for the team and a guy who looks like a deer in headlights anytime there's a crucial situation on the court. But that's what you're going to have to do if you're a Syracuse fan. All right, well, let's, uh, and this is Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Uh, Matt, let's, you kind of segued me perfectly into our next topic, and let's have this debate. We've, we have an article out on our website, orangefizz.net, if you want to go check it out. We also put up a poll earlier in the week on Twitter, if you want to go follow us at orangefizz, about this debate, because I think it's one that is becoming a little more widespread and chatted about across central New York. Were the 2020, so the the forwards for this past year on Syracuse, which would be Quincy Garrier, Alan Griffin, Robert Braswell, and Woody Newton, were they, was that a better forwards group? And we're not going to put Marek Dolezal because he played the center this past season. Were they a better forwards group than what's coming in and playing this next year, which is Cole Swider, which is Benny Williams, and which is Jimmy Behan? Oh, it's such a tough question, but a great I one. I know, I know. Um, it all hinges on Benny ben, Williams, in my it, opinion. It, yes, 100%. Um, if Benny Williams comes in and he knocks everybody's socks off and says, okay, here is that recruit that we've been missing for so, so long in Syracuse, um, then it'll be the 2021 team. But, I mean, you can't deny that Griffin, Braswell, and... Uh, and Quincy were, weren't good. I mean, or were good. They were very good, uh, especially Braswell down the stretch. Griffin, not so much down the stretch, but but Quincy and Braswell down the stretch were really, really solid. Uh, and and guys that I think made the team what it was besides Buddy Beheim's hot shooting. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say next year's group is going to be better because I do think Williams is going to come in and put in that work and be that guy for the team. So you think Benny Williams next year as a true freshman is going to be better, and this is just a side question, than Quincy Garrier this year? Yeah, I think that uh, I think Benny Williams has the potential to come in and be head and shoulders better than everybody on this team. Okay, so if that if that is true, and that's a big if in my opinion, so if huge Benny, one. If Benny Williams is better than Quincy Garrier was this past year, then you look at the other group. I'm going to take Woody Newton out of this past year. You know, he he was good at the beginning, didn't see the court after. Robert Braswell, 
I think there's some recency bias there. He stunk in the regular season. He he turned it on in, in the tournament, which props to him, uh, but he was not good in the regular season. And then you look at Alan Griffin, who was good in the regular season, but then just could not make a basket and could not stay on the floor during the ACC and, double, and, and NCAA tournament. So when you then look at is Cole Swider and Jimmy Bayheim can they have sustained success that is something that Griffin and Braswell did not have? I think Bayheim could, and especially because I have no idea why, but the Bay, like if you play for your coach or for your, your dad, uh, I think he gets the best out of you. And I, I, that's a very small sample size because we've only seen Buddy but I think it's going to work out. To be able to play with your brother, play for your dad, I think that helps a ton. And I think Jimmy Beheim, you know, has always wanted to play at Syracuse, always, like, salivated over the idea, and now he has the opportunity. So I, think, I don't know what he's salivating over, but I do think that he's going to be solid. Um, <laughs> him and Swider... <laughs> him and Swider are going to be very interesting. I don't interesting. think Swider's going to be good. I think that's what a lot of people are saying, but I don't know. I mean, he shot 35% from three last season. That's the only thing I think he will add to this team. And I, don't I think see him that's why they minutes. got him. I think that's why they got him. I think he's going to be a guy that comes on the floor. He's going to be your Braswell this season. He's going to be, hopefully he can come on the floor, play good defense. I mean, he's 6'9", 225. He's a big kid. He's not just some skinny guy like Marek Dolajai coming in here. He's a big dude, and he can shoot the three. I mean, that's what Syracuse liked in him when they saw him. I don't think that his stats are going to look even remotely the same because I don't think they're going to pull an Alan Griffin here, and they're going to take in a guy who is used to doing something at his school, and they're going to take him in and, and turn him into a different player. I mean, at... Illinois, Alan Griffin was supposed to be just like a spot-up shooter. At Syracuse, they made him. They tried to make him into a main scorer. I think that Cole Swider was supposed to be, you know, a guy that that played in the low block over at Villanova. And I think that at Syracuse, he's going to play on the wing and be a spot-up shooter. So if he can do that successfully, I think that they'll be fine. And, I, and as for for Beheim, I think that he's proven time and time again that he is a talented player. Um, even if if it is in the Ivy League, and I think especially like you mentioned, him him salivating over playing at Syracuse. See, there you uh, go. You can't, with his you can't dad. make fun of me using salivating, and then <laughs> I just was turn referring and back to your terminology. Um, <laughs> but I think that that Beheim will be just fine. All right. Well, I'm gonna go with last year's group as just getting the nod a little more, just because I'm not sold on Swider. Now, I do want to point out, and we're about to hit a break. I do want to point out. Uh, learning the 2-3 zone, I think it's going to be a struggle for the first couple games. And hopefully Syracuse can, you know, uh, schedule some easier competition for the first couple games because it's going to be it's going to be rough defensively. And you're going to hear uh, Jim Beheim talk a bunch early in the season about, oh, our defense is horrible and blah, 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 blah. It's because it's going to take some time. And it, there's always growing pains. But you're shoving in, you know, three brand new guys. And two of them are probably going to have to be starters um, if Alan Griffin doesn't come back specifically. So, there's going to be growing pains. Let's revisit this topic, you know, mid to late next next season. Cool? Yes, I'm good with cool. that. All right, cool. Uh, we're going to hit a break. Five-star review right after you're listening to Fizz Radio.
I'm gonna need a five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Eight, five stars. It is time for your favorite segment of the show, Five Star Review, where we break down everything you need to know in the Syracuse recruiting world. Jared May and Matt Bonaparte here on Fizz Radio. Matt, let's hop right into things and let's start on the basketball side of things. Now, this is not a recruit. However, it's something that might affect recruiting. Woody Newton, he's gone. He's going to Oklahoma State. He is in the transfer. Well, I guess he's out of the portal, but he transferred to Oklahoma State. Uh, did Syracuse misuse him, and is that going to re- kind of impact and affect how you know recruits look at Syracuse in the future? Well, here's the thing about the Woody Newton case: is we saw him a lot early in the year, and then after that COVID pause they took, we didn't see him basically at all. Um, but I don't think they misused him in any way. I think Coach Beheim knows what's right in terms of using a kid. Uh, in college basketball, I don't. I don't think that in any case he was uh, reluctant to put him on the floor when he shouldn't have been. I think Woody Newton is a guy who needed to develop, and he didn't like that, so he be up and left. Yeah, I. I don't think it's a bad. I. I, I will agree. It's plain and simple. I do not think they misused him. Uh, I really do believe the narrative that was kind of told um, that he lost a step during his COVID pause. And I think, and I might be wrong here, so I don't want to speculate, but I think he may have actually had COVID. I think he was one of the ones that did. Um, I have no idea. It, so I might be wrong. So don't quote me on that. However, if if that's true, thank you. Um, I I don't I I just like Bayheim is that kind of coach that if you're with him for the entire time and you perform, he's going to stick with you. If you miss a step, then he's going to forget about you because he has other people that he will ride with. So I don't think they misused him. I don't think that's really going to affect recruiting. I actually think the bigger loss that's going to affect recruiting is Kadari Richmond rather than Woody Newton for this past, you know, recruiting cycle. I think that might be a sign for some recruits and be like, Hey, Kadari was a a big name recruit. And he just he, he was getting the minutes, he was getting the fame, he was getting the accolades, and he up and left. So that, I think, is actually ha- going to have a bigger impact on, on recruiting. Yeah, and if you want to ask the same question about did they misuse Kadari, I think the answer is absolutely yes. He should have yeah. started pretty early in the season after it was apparent that Joe Girard is bad at basketball. Um, yeah, Kadari should have started, and, and that's, I mean, I, I can't blame him at all whatsoever for leaving. I hope he's very successful at Seton Hall. Um, he's a guy who definitely could be in the NBA one day, and Syracuse missed out on what could have been their next big recruit. All right. So there you go. That's our first question that we have to answer here on Five Star Review, and we're going to answer two more. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte, if you want to know our names. Uh, Ty Rogers, he is a recruit in the class of 2022, number 35 on ESPN's recruiting board. He's 6'6" four-star wing out of Michigan and Syracuse is you know trying to target him however he has quite a few other scholarship offers especially in the Big Ten from you know Ohio State Michigan Michigan State Purdue some big name schools so you know Syracuse is right up there with big names but it's he's a he's a Michigan guy he's a Midwest guy he is being heavily recruited by the Big Ten so, Matt, the question I uh, I propose to you is, 
is Ty Rogers to SU a pipe dream, or is it actually, uh, you know, is it never going to happen, or is it going to happen? I really doubt that it happens. I mean, when you're when you're if you're Ty Rogers right now, I'm looking at the Big Ten offers I have and Syracuse. The the big pro for Syracuse obviously is that they made the Sweet 16 last season. Um, I'm sure that. Uh, Playing for Coach Bayheim is, is, a, is a big part of the recruiting cycle for them as well. But when I look towards the Big Ten, I mean, it's just better basketball, better competition. Sure, they didn't perform as well in the NCAA tournament, but I don't think anybody is looking at the Big Ten and saying, wow, that conference is bad. I think they are saying that about the ACC. Um, so I think if I'm Ty Rogers, I'm, I'm not going to the cold salt city. Instead, I'm going to go over to a college town like uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, or Ohio State. Yeah, I, I will say the, and this is just a, a larger issue that Syracuse always has to deal with. The your weather never helps you in recruiting, and I think that's a big obstacle that these coaches, whether it's Dino, whether it's Desco, whether it's Bayheim, whether it's anyone else on the hill that is trying to recruit, it's so difficult, and that kind of leads to because people want to go down and and be at you know UNC or Miami or anywhere down south where it's nicer than up here so that is a big issue now back to you know the the topic at hand with Ty Rogers um I don't see and specifically I don't see him coming here I think it is you know a pipe dream that's not gonna happen because Syracuse already has Kamari Lands uh coming in in the class of 2022 and the Orange are targeting quite a few other wings specifically that you know I could see Ty Rogers say, saying, hey, like, why would I go if you already have lands uh, and you already are specifically, you know, Justin Taylor might come. Uh, Jan Farrell might might, might come. Uh, Jarris Walker, you know, he's he doesn't play the exact same position, but he's still someone that would take up time from Rogers. So I think he has better offers from schools that he could actually play at is the issue with, you know, looking at Syracuse in his sweepstakes. Yeah, I don't think he'll be a member of the Syracuse Orange. All right, so there is Ty Rogers. Last question here on Five Star Review with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Did the NFL draft help SU recruiting? Matt, your thoughts? I think you have to say yes. I mean, sure. I mean, guys got drafted, (laughs) and I think – Players want to go play for a team where guys get drafted because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do if you're playing college football. You want to go play in the NFL. So, or at least that's probably the case for most guys. Um, I think absolutely it helps. I mean, Trill Williams didn't get drafted, but he's playing for the NFL team. And, and same with Nolan Cooney. And then you did have the two DBs get drafted. I think it definitely helps your recruiting when it comes to defensive backs, especially because you have this young core of defensive backs who has been great for uh, last season. So, I think absolutely it helps. Yeah, I I'll agree because this pairing was you know of of Cisco and and Melifonwu getting drafted both in the third round. That's the best draft for Syracuse since I, I would go back to 2013 when Justin Pugh went in the first round, Ryan Nassib went in the fourth, Shamarco Thomas also went in the fourth. Uh, you haven't had a lot of players get drafted. Period. Since then. And if they did get drafted as early as both 
Cisco and Iffy. Because when you look back, Alton Robinson was a fifth-round pick. Sterling Hoffrichter was a seventh-round pick. Uh, Chris Sladen in 2019, seventh round. Zaire Franklin in 2018, seventh round. Seventh round Riley Dixon. In 2017 and 2015, you didn't even have any draft picks. So this year specifically, I think it helps a lot because it kind of shows, hey, we might not have been able to produce as much of as much talent back then, but we are starting to turn the page with Robinson, with Melifonwu, with Cisco, and then the other two guys that this year specifically went undrafted. So I think it helps. I don't think it's, you know, it's not going to hurt recruiting, but I do think it kind of shows recruits we can develop your talent and get you to the league, which is ultimately the goal for, you know, all of these players. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I mean, if guys get drafted, it helps. Um, obviously they weren't the first pick overall, but they're in the NFL. And I think that's what everybody's after. It also just keeps you even with the other, you know, ACC teams or any team really, because the ACC had a fantastic draft. A lot of talent from this conference went to the NFL. Uh, and you know, you have to battle them for a lot of these recruits. So to say, Hey, we can still develop just as the other schools can, that helps a lot. So There you go. That is five-star review. We're going to hit one last break. After it, we'll get to your fictional Fizz and Fizz feedback. Don't go anywhere. This is Fizz Radio. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. We are going to get to fictional Fizz and Fizz feedback. We just wrapped up, you know, five-star review, The I think the single best uh, topic or, or segment on this show ever created. So shout out to everyone that has helped us out with that. Uh, Matt, let's get into fictional fizz. And this is where we create fictional betting lines on any type of topic. And I'll propose a betting line. Matt will give his answer. I will also give my answer. Let's start with this one. We've already talked about the NFL draft a bunch Two and a half players. So the line is two and a half players drafted out of Syracuse next year in the NFL draft. Uh, over or under that line, Matt? It's a terrible line. Under. Under. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. I don't think one player will be drafted. I don't, I seriously do not think one singular player one, will be drafted from Syracuse next year. So Josh Black, the athletic freak that he is, is not getting drafted. I don't think so. He's not very good. He can be an athletic freak all he wants. He's got to be good at football. I mean, he. I think he is. What about McKinley Williams? Uh, no. Why would? What, what has McKinley Williams done that makes him an NFL player? Uh, I'm just going back to Josh Black, by the way. He's got <laughs> six sacks in four <laughs> years. I don't like. Come on, what are we doing here? You think Josh Black's going to the NFL? That Chris Elmore. I wish. I really wish Chris Elmore was going to the NFL, but I don't think it's going to happen. Kingsley Jonathan. No chance. Are you kidding? <laughs> His defensive line is awful. This is an awful defensive line. None of these guys. The only guy that has a chance is Andre Schmidt. What about Taj Harris if he leaves early? Hey, he'll be flipping off cameras in the NFL. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't think he's going. Either. I mean, he's a talented player. If he has a good Senior Bowl, maybe, and he has okay. a good next season, possibly. He's he has a chance. Okay. All right. So he has a chance. I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna be optimistic. Goodness I don't think it's actually Jaren, gonna you're hit. Making yourself look stupid here. Uh, I also think maybe Garrett Williams leaves early because he has a great, he has a standout year. So I'm going to take the over. Give me the over of two and a half players drafted out of Syracuse next year. Uh, next one, Matt. This is going to be a curveball for you. 
We're going to go to the lacrosse, all right? So Syracuse men's lacrosse gracious. is most likely going to make the NCAA tournament. Selection Sunday is actually tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the score 1260. Uh, over zero or over or under uh, 0.5 wins in the NCAA tournament without knowing uh, their matchup. Without knowing their matchup, do they win at least one game? I really don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, they've got two good wins on the schedule, and it's, they're both Virginia. And I think that they just have Virginia's number. I think what if, if they, they match Notre up Dame, with what if they match up with Virginia? That would be crazy. I think that they lose because you can't beat a team three times in a row. Everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> but I think they lose to Notre Dame. I think they lose to North Carolina. I think they lose to Duke, obviously. But I, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't think they're winning a game. I mean, this was a season where everybody had such high hopes, and they came in and just squashed them. So yeah. no. Zero. Okay. Under. All right. Sad, 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 sad. All right, let's get to our Fizz feedback before we go. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter, at Orange Fizz. This is where we put our tweets and their polls, and you can vote on them, and then we shout them out here on Fizz Radio. So first Fizz feedback, who do you think will have the longest NFL career out of the guys that were either drafted or signed um, out of Syracuse this year? Andre Sisco wins with 44.6%. Ify Melifonwu at 42.6%. So a pretty tight race. Uh, Matt, who do you think? People agree with me. I said Andre Sisco before. I'm sticking with it now. I got Sisco. Man of his word. I went iffy just because of the size. All right, let's uh, move on. Whose departure will impact Syracuse the most next season? Kadari Richmond, Quincy Garrier, Woody Newton, or Robert Braswell? Who do you got? Kadari will be huge, but it's got to be Quincy for me. I voted Quincy and quickly regretted it because Kadari, they have some forwards. You know, Syracuse has some forwards to pick up the True. slack for Quincy. True. They don't have guards. So you don't think Simeon Torrance is going to come in and just light the world no, on fire? I really don't. So, Fertile. you know, when Joe Girard has his stinky game, which is going to happen quite often, uh, who do they go to to try to fill that gap you don't have Kadari anymore I think that's going to be the biggest uh, impact and he actually wins the poll with 49 percent of it all right last one before we uh we got to go here pretty soon how many seasons do you think Benny Williams will play at Syracuse now I, I left that pretty broad because it's either he could leave for the draft he could leave for a transfer whatever how many seasons does he play one through four Matt what are you picking I'm going to say he plays two just because uh, oh, it's a tough one. I'm going to say two, though. I think he, he has success this season, and they get close to some some real success in the NCAA tournament. He wants to run it back. That's what I think is going to happen. I could hear the, the gears, you know, turning in your mind right there. They were. They were turning. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go two, so we finally agree on Huge. something. Uh, it's that was only that only got uh, 37% of the vote though. 61% say it's he is a one and done. Wow, crazy! All right, so that is Fizz Radio. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Jaron May signing off. Make sure you tune in next week and go check out all of our content on our website, OrangeFizz.net. Everyone, have a great Saturday morning. We'll talk to you later.